building. Look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. The Christian's priority. You'll really enjoy this. This will make you think. It has really caused me to look at my own life. Luke chapter 10. The Christian's priority. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Pray for Sunday school Sunday. Invite, invite, invite. And then the wonderful morning service. I, I love this place. I'm always anticipating, wondering what might happen next. It's exciting, isn't it? And I love it. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let's look at the Christian's priority, and let's pray over these requests. Dear Lord, thank you for everyone that's here in this wonderful privilege. Over and over we get to come. Someday it won't be that way, but tonight it is, and I'm so grateful. May we make the very most of it. Holy Spirit, share with us wonderful words of life, and not only stir our hearts, but change our lives. Meet every need, all the requests given. They were given in good faith that we would remember them and bring them up before you, and we do that at this very moment. Please hear and answer. I know you will. Bless Sunday in a most wonderful way. And dear Lord, I praise you for all you do. For asking ask it in your name with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I'm going to be a little bit transparent with you tonight as I reviewed this, studied this. You see, everything you hear, first of all, has to pass through me. And I have to look at it and examine it. And the Lord speaks to my heart. I looked at this very carefully. I, I prayed over I cried I repented. I made some adjustments. This talks about the Christian's priority. And in 21st century living, it is so easy to let that slip off to the side just a little. And I do not want that for my life. And I want you to look at this tonight. And let's enjoy it together and be challenged by it together and let it warm your heart. Uh, but at any rate, uh, the highest priority in the Christian life is to love God extravagantly. Now let me say it again. The highest priority of the Christian life is to love God extravagantly. Be fanatical about it. All your heart, soul, mind, being. Fall in love with Jesus. Hopelessly in love with the Son of God. That's our top priority above everything else. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, 4, one thing have I desired desire of the Lord. That's what he wanted. The apostle said in Philippians 3.13, this one thing I do. He was talking about loving the Lord with all of his heart, mind, soul, and being. There is nothing more important and there is nothing that, that should stay in the way of us loving the Lord with all of our being. Now this story begins with Jesus going to Bethany, a town about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And a little house, little home, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, three siblings. They had never met. They had heard of Jesus. And though Martha's the first one mentioned, Mary is the central figure because she's the one that gives us the example 
of the Christian's priority, and that's loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and being. So let's look at some things tonight, and you follow along with me, and let the Lord warm your heart with this. First of all, the devotion of Mary in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Again, although Martha was the first one mentioned, Mary's a central figure. The moment Jesus entered into this household, Mary went over and sat down at his feet. That was typical of students who would sit around the Jewish rabbis as they would teach. But here's the thing. The rabbis did not allow women to do that. But Jesus allowed Mary to do that. She sat there at his feet and he began to speak to them. She was focused on that. She was fascinated with him and what he had to say. She couldn't pull herself away from him. Nothing else mattered at that moment to Mary but Jesus and what he was having to say to her heart. That is most amazing. Oh, that all of us would be like Mary, right? Be fascinated with the Savior. Hopelessly in love with him. Loving God extravagantly. More than anything or anybody Uh, Psalm 119, verse 70, I delight in thy law. Psalm 119, verse 70, and verse 165, Great peace have they who love thy word. Oh, my. And in Luke 11, 28, Jesus gives a special blessing on those who love and obey his word. A special blessing on God's people who do that. Mary understood this priority. And... To her, it was loving and obeying the Word of God. It is not possible, listen, it is not possible to love God intimately and obey Him without loving His Word and knowing what it says. It seems that people are looking for God in all the wrong places, Wayne Jackson. Feelings, dreams, experiences. Uh, Oh, people say, I had a dream. Well, quit eating pizza late at night. That'll go away. (laughs) You're not going to find God in your dreams. You're going to find God in this book. Hebrews 10, 7. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. The more you get into this book, listen, God has invested himself in the Bible and no place else. No place else. You can't find God any place else except in the word that he wrote. Mary knew that. She was hanging on every word that he said. And she said, tell me more, tell me more. I want to know more about you. Oh, to love the word of God. And I love this about you. I love this about this place, this wonderful place. You love the word of God. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was a couple of months ago. Uh, I was talking on Sunday morning and I, I held up the Bible and the Lord was just breaking my heart for the love of this book. And I said, I love this book. And all of you broke out in an applause. I've never had that happen anywhere. In 51 years of preaching, Doug, I've never seen a congregation break out and give an applause to the Word of God. I have the preachers, I have the singers, I have a lot of other things, but I've never had a congregation break out in applause and say, yes, we love the Word of God. Now that made me fall in love with you that much more. 
You love this book. Keep it up. Go down in it deeper and deeper and deeper in the love of Jesus. Go down into this book and learn all you can about it. Don't waste any time. Anytime you have a moment or two, uh, a few minutes or so, go into this book and get some of it. It's not so much of how much you get into it. It's how much it gets into you. Let it get into you. Change you. It'll do it. Here's the devotion of Mary. Then let's notice the distraction of Martha. Now, this is interesting. And if you're listening, say amen. Amen. The, destruct, the distraction of Martha. Now, keep this in mind. Martha was a good woman. Martha was a Christian. But this illustrates that even the best of God's people can get distracted and sidetracked. And I have to watch that about me. I'm not coming down on anybody in here. The Lord really spoke to me and had me to look at some things very hard, Kevin, about my own life. There's nothing more important than the Christian loving the Lord with all his heart and loving his word. And I've got to watch that and keep that in mind. If you get sidetracked, it robs you of the joy of salvation. And the psalmist knew that. He said in Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. I want to enjoy the journey, don't you? I don't want to endure my religion. I want to enjoy my religion. It's not against the law to enjoy your religion. I love it. We're not Baptecostal. We're Baptist folks, Southern Baptists. But that's all right. We just like to get excited around here a little bit and love the Word of God. Hmm. Now, Martha's distraction reveals a downward spiral when you get distracted and move somewhat. I'm not talking about what you call a way into sin or some big backslide or something like that. Just a slight movement over to the side, not, not, not focused completely entirely on the Lord Jesus, Him, not your top priority. Slide over the side just a little. Here's what happens. Here's an illustration in Martha. Now, first of all, it was honest legitimate things that distracted her and pulled her away from the Savior. Honest, legitimate things. Cooking, cleaning, taking care of business. All of us have things to do. I've been cooking and cleaning for about two years. Uh, I run everything around my house. I run the vacuum cleaner and the washer and dryer. I run things, boy. (laughs) But anyway... I'm the boss. I, t- I told my wife, I'm the head of this house. And she said, yeah, but I'm the neck that turns the head. <laughs> you can't win with that woman. I'm getting all this in before she comes back. Because when she's here, I can't talk like this. And Hazel, don't you tell her I said that either. So but you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, these were good, honest, legitimate things that pulled Martha away from Jesus being the center of her life. That's what I have to be careful about. I have a lot to do. You have a lot to do. They're all legitimate. It's business. It has to be done. But not at the expense of neglecting my Savior. I can't do that. Now, it's not either or. You say, well, I'm having to make a decision here. Either I'm going to have to be a business person, take care of my household, take care of my family, or I'm going to have to love Jesus with all of my heart. No, it's not either or. It's just He's the priority. That's right. 
You don't give that up. You don't stop working hard. You don't stop taking care of business. In fact, it'll help you take care of it better. You can work better when you love Jesus with all your heart. It just goes better. But it was good, legitimate things that pulled this lady, good lady, Christian lady, away from the Lord being the very center of her life. I think that's one of the primary reasons for decline in church attendance, don't you? Driving pastors crazy. What do you do? I mean, people in the 21st century, they've got their mind loaded up with everything. They're working a double shift, trying to pay their bills. The economy's out of whack. They're having to make more money. And by Sunday, they're so worn out. That's the only day they have to rest. And so they think, I don't know if I can make it to church today or not. And the preacher gets up and blasts them over the top of the head. And that's not what's needed. Now, you've got to get to them. You've got to reach them. You gotta under- they've got to understand that they've got to keep Jesus' top priority, but beating them over the head about it in the 21st century, it ain't going to work anymore. They're already wore out. They're already tired. They're already frustrated and disgusted. But here's the thing. Uh, The average pastor gets to thinking, well, they don't love me anymore. They're tired of me. I've worn out my welcome. I guess it's time for me to move on. They're not responding. Listen, they wouldn't respond to the Apostle Paul on some Sundays. Honestly. And pastors don't understand that. They're going to quit. Because it's a different world in the 21st century in pastoring a church. Different world. And you've got to understand what people are going through. And you've got to try to help them. And it's difficult. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, there would be no help at all. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, right? He can get into a cluttered mind and clear it out and give them some truth. And they can have their eyes open and say, wait a minute, I'm doing this all wrong. I need to get back in church. But he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can. But look at this downward spiral. This one thing about not, about not making Jesus top priority, it led to other problems than it does in everybody's life. Here it is. The second thing, Martha became frustrated and angry at Mary. It gets in your family. You get to where you don't, you're not as loving and kind as you ought to be. <laughs> Husband and wife, they fuss and fought all the time. And a fellow was talking to him. He said, uh, my wife and I have a beef stew marriage. He said, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm always beefing. She's always stewed. You know, this all the time. But you can't be a loving family member if you don't love Jesus with all your heart first. Martha's proof of that. She was not focusing on the Lord Jesus and she fell out with Mary. Well, it wasn't Mary's fault, but she got mad at Mary. She got frustrated and angry at Mary. And then it led to a greater problem. She accused Jesus of not caring. Look at this. She said in verse 40, uh, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You say it in light of part of verse 40. She accused Jesus of not caring. That is the most foolish thing Martha could have ever said, that Jesus does not care. Of course he cares. He cares like nobody cares. He loves like nobody loves. But Martha was really getting off the side and all started. Jesus was no longer the most important thing in her life. Fell out with Mary. Then she fell out with Jesus. She said, don't you care what's going on here? I'm doing all the work. Mary's sitting over here at your feet. So she began to accuse Jesus falsely. Oh my, how far can you straighten and do that? Hmm. And then finally, she asserted her will above the will of the Lord. 
She actually told him what to do. In the latter part of verse 40, she said, tell her to help me. You see that? Bid her therefore that she help me of all the unmitigated gall. See what a mess you can get into when Jesus is not the priority of your life. When you don't love him completely, supremely, extravagantly, you can't love anybody else properly. Amen. And you won't. But when you love him with all of your heart, it spills over into all your relationships. All of a sudden, people look bright because you got right. Huh? I mean, you just fall in love with people all over again. You just want to love on them and help them and do whatever you can. And I don't mean you condone their sin or anything like that, but you're not quick to judge them and put them, you know, criticize them and say, well, I thought so. You're nothing to you anyhow. No, not that at all. You become patient with them and loving and, and lovingly point out if the Holy Spirit leads you to, hey, that's wrong in your life and you need to correct that. It's going to destroy you. But you won't be able to do that unless Jesus is the priority of your life. So here's the distraction of Martha. What a mess this dear lady got herself into. But how did Jesus respond to her? Oh my, she opened the door for him to just put her in her place, but he did not do that because he understood the woman. He, he knew she was trying to help and serve and work and get things ready for him. He took that into consideration. And, and here's what he said in verse 41. Martha, Martha, and he called her name twice. He, he was saying, I really want to get your attention. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Verse 42, and one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What good part? Making Jesus the focus of her life. Amen. Loving what he said in his word. Making him top priority. That was what Mary chose and Jesus said, that's the best part, that's the good part. And that's the same root word used in Luke 15 when the, uh, the elder, when the father told the son and all of them when they came back, when the son came back home, he said to them, bring forth the best robe, the best robe, same word here. Mary hath chosen that good part, that best part. The Lord has wonderful things in store for those who love Him with all their heart. He'll give you the best part. The best part. I don't want the leftovers. I'm only going to pass this way one time, and it's passing by pretty quickly now. Uh, but as long as Wayne Jackson and I are the same age, I think I can make it. But it's passing by pretty quick. But I want it to count. Don't you? I want it to count. I want to, I want to get all I can in and do it the best of my ability and love the Lord and enjoy the journey and love on people and make a difference. And I can't do that unless I keep my own heart right with God. So here it is, the Christian's priority. Don't let anything stand between you and the dear Lord in making Him top priority and loving Him extravagantly, fanatically head over heels in love with him. You can't love him too much. Don't ever worry about that. Love him with all you've got and you'll be amazed, amazed at what he'll do in your life. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Let's stand, if you will, please. I want you to go home tonight. I want you to do what your preacher did. Now, I've already done this. I want you to look around in your life, look around in your schedule, look around and ask yourself, what is my top priority? Where do I spend the most time? What is my most focus on? What I think about the most, if it's anything other than Jesus, make the adjustment. Just for your own benefit, make the adjustment, and you'll be amazed at how bless you. Let's pray. Doug, you prayed it for us tonight. I'm glad you're here. You close us in prayer and pray for Sunday. Father, we'll thank you. Father, we'll thank you to be in your house. We're thankful, dear Father, to hear your precious word. Oh, Father, we pray that we'll put you completely first in our lives. God, that we'll worship you and you alone. God, just be with us this coming Sunday, Lord. God, may we fill this house. May we enjoy ourselves in the house of God. Thank you, Father, for blessing us tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. amen.